Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. It is officially time to begin one of my favorite exercises we do here at CR, a tradition that began last season, but one we hope to carry into each and every college tennis season moving forward. That, of course, is an exercise we refer to as NCAA Press Row, where I attempt to speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches prior to the start of the NCAA Tournament round of 16. Now, each of these conversations you'll hear over the next few days will be relatively similar in format. I want to talk to each of these coaches about their NCAA opening weekends, what allowed them to advance to this NCAA Sweet 16. Then I want to recap the season, where things stand. I want to talk about each team's best win of the year, the match they perhaps would like to replay the most from the course of the season. We'll talk about the team MVP, the most improved players that have made the success possible for all of these teams this season. Then, of course, I got to pick the coaches' brains about some big picture topics. I want to talk about the Super Regional format going to the top eight seeds for this round of 16 versus the traditional all-sweet 16 matches are played at one location format. What do these coaches prefer? Still very early in the exercise of determining if the Super Regional is worthwhile, but always fun to hear the coaches' initial reactions. And then, of course, we'll try to preview all of these Sweet 16 matches. I will try to coax as many match calculi as I I can from each of these coaches. What is their pathway to four points? How do they project their team's success moving forward throughout the NCAA tournament? We'll talk about all of that and so much more. Again, have a jam-packed week of content prepared for all of you listeners as we get all of you ready for the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. Of course, you're going to be able to find each of these conversations both here on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed as well as on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, you will also hear the same intro outro on each of these podcasts. I do apologize for that fact. Just makes life a little bit easier, a little bit cleaner for both myself and super producer Daniel Westoff. But again, over the next five days, I will attempt to speak with each and every men's and women's head coach remaining in the 2022 Division I NCAA tournament. Of course, the reason we're able to do that here on the Cracked Interviews podcast is because of the support we get from all of you college tennis fans out there who have tuned in week in, week out. We are immensely grateful for that fact. Also, I have to give a huge shout out to our friends at Swing Vision, who, of course, are on the forefront of all artificial intelligence innovations happening within the tennis world. If you are a college tennis head coach listening to these podcasts, if you are a player, if you are someone with high-level tennis aspirations, download the Swing Vision app today. You'll have access to more data, more things to improve your tennis game than you ever had before, all within the palm of your hand in an app on your phone. So again, learn more about our friends at Swing Vision by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. I promise all of you, it is the most efficient way to improve your game in the modern day. A huge thank you to our friends at Swing Vision. Use that promo code CRACK20 when you sign up. But again, appreciate all of their support for this show. With that said, again, press row coming up. Going to try and speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches before the start of the NCAA round of 16. With that in mind, let's get to this interview. Hey, crack fans. 
Before we get to today's show, I want to let all of you listeners know about the revolutionary work being done by our friends over at Swing Vision. Now, all of us as tennis players are constantly searching for that piece of information that's going to give us that one, two, three percent edge whenever we step onto the court. We want to know, am I hitting my forehand with enough depth? Am I accurately placing my backhands? Am I employing patterns on the court that are putting me in an optimum position to experience success? Thankfully, all of those questions can now be answered via the app produced by our friends at Swing Vision. Folks, it's extraordinarily simple. You're going to download the app. You're going to turn that app on your phone. You're going to put your phone on the back fence, the back curtain of whatever court you're playing on. You're going to hit record. And then using artificial intelligence, Swing Vision is going to break down your performance. If you click on the link that you find in the podcast description here on today's episode, you'll go right to the Swing Vision website. And of of course, friends who use our Cracked Rackets promo code CRACK20 are going to get an additional $20 discount and a free 14-day pro trial on the Swing Vision app. Again, you use that promo code CRACK20, $20 discount, as well as a free 14-day pro trial. How do you find the link to get signed up? Just go back to your podcast feed. It's in the podcast description of this episode. You go to the Swing Vision website, you set up your account, you download the app, you get rocking and rolling, get all the information one location with our friends at Swing Vision. Joining us on the podcast once again today is a returning champion here on our Crack Racket Shows, a man you know best as the head coach of the Florida women's tennis team. Welcome back to the show, Coach Roland Thornquist. Coach, welcome back to our podcast. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me. Yeah, doing great. We just got up here to Chapel Hill and we're ready to go. No, no doubt about that. I imagine it's got to always feel good to reach another NCAA round of 16, and that's where I want to start today's conversation. Obviously, for you all, a 4-0 win over South Alabama, 4-1 win over Florida State, which I would point out was your third victory over Florida State on the season. And I think anyone who's followed college tennis long enough knows how difficult it is to beat a team twice, let alone three times throughout the course of a season. Uh, Give me an assessment of how the Gators performed in the opening weekend of the tournament. Uh, you know what? It came down to doubles for me as far as what I uh, uh, f- feel most strongly about. Uh, we played very poorly against South Alabama. and But obviously, we were able to win anyway. But uh, it, that's really sharpened our senses, I think, for the next match. And we were absolutely excellent. Probably our best doubles point of the year against Florida State on Sunday. So um, sometimes that's what it takes, right? A little wake-up call. You know, we... Uh, we spent we spent about thirty minutes in my office watching the end of the FIU Florida State match mm-hmm. before we played South Alabama. So uh, that probably wasn't the greatest like preparation for us to to play doubles against South Alabama. So that that part was certainly my fault. But boy, our players did a uh, great job uh, fixing that for the Florida State match for sure. 
Yeah, I know, and obviously you guys take the doubles point in that match, and you know you ultimately get straight set uh, victories at the number two and four spots. And you know, again, I want to talk about some players specifically, but I want to talk about your lineup and in particular the depth you have this season, because obviously noticeable for all of us, no Carly Briggs in the lineup for you uh, against Florida State. And look, with Carly, Sarah, Emma, Sydney, you've played around with them all season long. It, I mean, obviously potentially one match to go here and it's one at a time the rest of the way but do you feel again are you going based off of matchups how are you determining the bottom of your lineup this season uh well i mean form right sure. has a lot to do with it but as far as last sunday against florida state carly had a had food poisoning so gotcha. we got her through uh the doubles match but it was just no chance that i was going to risk her playing in 85 degrees against uh um jacobs you know there could be a lot of long rallies there so you know but sydney we know like she is ready right if when her uh, number is called she's ready and uh, she started off a little slowly but was really um coming around there at the end of the second set when the match was clinched so i, I have confidence in all of them but clearly we we need carly if we're going to be at the top of our game as a team we need carly and both singles and doubles. Yeah, and when you look at your team this season, again, 21-6 and six overall now entering the round of 16. Obviously, you guys were able to earn some massive 4-3 victories down the home stretch of the season to go back to the middle of March where you beat Arkansas on the road 4-3 to take care of business against South Carolina 4-3 uh, in your regular season finale to sort of clinch that top 16 seed for your group. I mean, again, obviously, you've coached some national championship winning teams I'm sure, you know, as you look at this team, I, I still feel like you guys haven't played your best match of the season yet. Am, am I crazy for thinking that? Like, I feel like there hasn't been the match where all six click. The closest we've come to that was the last Texas A&M match, the yeah. semis of the tournament. We, uh, I felt we were really unfortunate to, to not win that one, to be honest. We had all the momentum to win the doubles point there. And I think that would have made a huge difference in that match. So, but that also shows us what level this team can reach when we're playing well. Right. And that'll be something we're going to talk about tomorrow night in preparation for Friday's round of 16 is that, uh, uh, we know that we can play at the great the highest of levels. Right. And cause I, I really do think Texas A&M has a chance to, uh, you know, be just about anybody. And if, if, if that's how we see them and we are inches away, then you sort of indirectly have to uh, put ourselves up there too. Right now, you know, like you said, there's been many times this year where we've four players have played well two haven't, so on and so forth. And it's really difficult to beat really great teams, mm-hmm. you know, when uh, you don't have everybody playing at the highest level. So, but I'm hoping that'll happen around 16. Yeah. And, you know, again, to that point, I still, and we've talked about this on our shows all season long, I've watched a lot of Florida women's tennis throughout the course of this year. I swear, coach, I still don't know how good you all are because it does feel like, again, on the right day, you know, I did have the chance to watch that Texas A&M match and you guys played them as close as anyone has played them all season long. And, you know, I know it was coincidentally six straight set matches, you know, across the board in that A&M match. And yet every match was competitive. And obviously Tatiana's yet to lose a singles match this season. And, you know, Marley was right there with her at the end. How do you go about, uh, you know, you sort of mentioned the conversation there, but how do you go about communicating to your team, particularly with North Carolina looming? Like, hey, 
I we may not have I mean I guess we may not have that signature win, but we are that good. Yeah, I look I think we break it down in a, in a couple of different areas uh, as far as what we want to achieve um you know in regards to our performance and doubles is certainly one of them. I you know we have been able to play our best singles um after we've played well in doubles. And, and, and there's a distinction there, not necessarily that we win the doubles, but when we've played well in doubles, it's translated into really, really t- a great singles play. So, uh, and what, what do I mean by playing well in doubles? Well, that's taking risk. That's having, you know, uh, courageous play calling of big moments and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, uh, I think it's really important for us to have that, attitude going into friday that we're going to be the team that's aggressive win or lose and then you know look at this year we've played our best singles behind that win or lose the doubles point that's going to be the first thing we address yeah no i mean again playing to win always the toughest thing to do when there's any pressure on obviously there's always going to be pressure on all these players shoulders in the round of 16 with that in mind I do want to look big picture at your team this season as we try to prepare all of our fans all of these college tennis fans for this NCAA round of 16 I know there are still matches to played but to date and maybe you guys have already had your season award ceremony who would you name the team MVP of the 2022 Florida Gators um that's going to be a tie between McCartney and Alicia probably Okay. You know, uh, McCartney for obviously just uh, going through the SEC slate, being SEC player of the year. That's a really difficult thing to do. And, you know, that's you're in some really good territory when you win that uh, trophy. Right. And then at the same time, our freshman from England, Alicia Dudney, um, she's grown a lot. Right. She's very talented, but she's become tough, uh, you know, throughout the season, too. So. Uh, you know, she's really been a rock for us, uh, in particular last month of the season with some huge wins, in- including Stoyana, you know, in straight sets uh, a couple of weeks ago at home, Texas a now. So uh, it'll probably be a tie between those two. Well, I was going to recommend her for my next question, which is the most improved player. And for Alicia to be playing at the number three spot as a freshman in singles and for her McCartney to have the success that they have had at that number one double spot as well. You have had a lot of successful freshmen throughout your tenure as head coach. What are the characteristics that allow those freshmen to have the sort of success like Alicia is having, you know, here in her inaugural season? What has allowed her to thrive in the college environment? Look, I think she has a chance to be really good. I mean, and I mean really good. She is uh, six feet tall, moves extremely well. Uh, her service improved. That's really one thing that's allowed her to, to beat good players. She gets both free points off her first serve, and she does double fault uh, to the same extent that she did in the fall. We had to clean that up, obviously. And then uh, her ground strokes are fantastic. She... Um, she can play both flat and take the ball early as well as take a step back, let the ball breathe and, and, and rotate it and get the ball up if she has to. And on top of that, she's also tremendously talented moving forward. So, you know, you can bring out the playbook with, with Alicia uh, and that makes her really dangerous um, in college where, you know, if, if it doesn't work to hit the ball, then it might work to roll it. And if it doesn't, 
work either those two, then you can come to net and she can do all three. So that makes it really dangerous in college where we can, you know, dial up several different options and she's able to execute. It does seem as though she has the physicality that you just need to succeed no at question. this level. And just as that, having that underlying skill, uh, you know, skill and trait to fall back on, it's, yeah, it, you can just tell, again, she is not overwhelmed by the speed of this match and uh, of this game. And I am curious, does Marley have one more year? Because I'm always, whenever I see senior, I'm like, ah, I don't know if that really <laughs> means senior. No, this tournament is going to be Marley's last as well as uh, McCartney's and Sydney's. So we're losing all three. Okay, so with that in mind, again, certainly uh, there's some urgency right now for that group. But as you look at this season and, and the freshmen you've had being able to contribute in both singles and doubles, you know, how have you – I keep using this question in these interviews, but it does feel like at times, and I think this is a byproduct of COVID, where you have two different teams, right? Like Marley, McCartney, they know your message, and maybe they don't need that as much versus the freshmen who you may have to be on a little bit more. You know, how do you balance those two things in approaching this team specifically? You know, with this team, our younger kids have uh, been great worker bees from day one. Okay, so uh, on a, a given week, SEC week, you know, we have Mondays off. <laughs> and then Tuesday, Wednesday, we, we do a lot of work. And all of them come out for morning work both days. So we'll have all our freshmen out from at 7.30 both Tuesday and Wednesday morning for individual work. And then we have team practice in the afternoon every week. I mean, with, without exception. And uh, if we ever make anything uh, voluntary, they are just coming out to hit balls and learn and want to grow. So uh, they've ad adopted to what we do immediately. And I, uh, I think, you know, at this point of the season, we played, you know, what, 26 matches or something and 27 matches, you know, they don't feel like freshmen anymore. And, uh, of, of course, they're going to have a freshman moment here and there, but we just hope that we're past freshman performances. So yeah. I don't really treat them like that anymore. We're now, you know, it's go time now. And I think they know very well, uh, you know, what that's all about for our seniors. So they, they don't want to disappoint the seniors. Yeah, no, certainly. And, you know, again, as uh, you look at this team and as you look with the Sweet 16 coming up, you guys are at North Carolina a big picture, what have you made of the parity this season? The fact that we're in the NCAA round of 16, there is no definitive favorite <laughs> for the national championship title. Is that That's a good thing for college tennis, right? Oh, there's no question. And mm -hmm. you know what's so interesting? That for years, right, I was on the uh, operating committee when we were looking over, you know, to change our format to, you know, either play a super tiebreaker in lieu of the third or, or no ad. Like, look, you uh, you know, the shortened doubles, like the, the, there's clearly been uh, a move to parity since we made the format um, change. And, uh, you know, if we, if we now have 10 teams that can win the NCAA tournament every year, that just has to be better than, you know, the three, perhaps four mm -hmm. uh, at the most back in the day, right? I can, even when we won it 11 and 12, it was us and Stanford and, you know UCLA, but there was nobody else that could play those those years, right? And mm -hmm. uh, uh, so this much better now. I think when you have some big teams fall and everybody feels like they have a shot if they're playing well, that that you know gives everybody hope. It's better for the game. Yeah, 
I completely agree with you. You mentioned being on the operating committee, which is not the NCAA selection committee. That said, since I have you here, I won't, you know, I'm going to pick your brain. It feels as though, and I forget what the term is, it's not competitive balance, but whatever, you know, again, the parity of the draw, oh, draw integrity. There it is. The integrity of the draw. That's something that's floated around a lot. Every year I continue to think, okay, this is the year they're going to put a stronger preference and a stronger emphasis on draw integrity. Then the draw comes out as it always does. I'm pretty sure it's just about the travel, excuse me, travel matrix. I feel like what it comes down to for the selection committee is trying to conduct the NCAA tournament as cheaply as possible for every school out there. And I get there, excuse me, some merit to that, but draw integrity in my mind is not a real thing. Okay, what do you mean? Yeah, I guess it's not really a question, but my way says there's no seating adjustments. Like, I know they do their strength of schedule and, you know, they're the four criteria, et cetera. But, you know, case in point, Michigan goes to Texas, not Auburn. uh, Arizona State goes to Oklahoma and not anywhere else where they, you know, didn't. I just, and again, I'm not trying to minimize your team here and your effort. I think you guys were a worthy number 16 seed. I'm just saying we talk about that parity. Isn't it best if 16 plays 17 as opposed to 17 going to two? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Without a doubt. Yes. No, but look, I, I'm not in that room, right? I don't hear the conversation. I think that, um, Somebody's always going to be disappointed. Now, uh, you know, if I look at the draw, uh, you know, and in my little layman's opinion, could I have made one or two changes that I, on this side of the desk, would think perhaps would serve us all better? Yes, I do. But I don't know what the parameters are that that made them decide to go the other way, right? It could be stuff that's mandated for them to do. I don't know. But, yeah, clearly we shouldn't have, you know, given everything equal, Arizona State going to Oklahoma. I mean, that makes very little sense in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. And with that in mind, big picture, Super Regional, Sweet 16 all at one site. Which do you prefer? Well, so uh, let me look, uh, tell you this. So take Florida tennis as the example here. So we're going to travel up to Chapel Hill and play probably indoors in Chapel Hill tomorrow, right? And they'll have 400 people indoors for, for our match. Unbelievable environment. Much tougher for us, but an unbelievable environment. The North Carolina men are traveling down to Gainesville to play our men. We're going to have 500 people there outside. Incredible atmosphere. Or we could all take our show up to Illinois and play 9 o'clock in the morning and nobody's going to be there. Right? Yeah. I, I just don't think we can compare the two, to be honest with you. So... Uh, it obviously helps the top eight seeds to play at home, but what's better for the sport? I think our players are going to get an incredible experience here uh, Friday night. So um, in my opinion, I, I think the super regional is a great idea. Yeah, I would tend to lean towards that line of argumentation as well. I would also say it's only the second year of this super regional. Let's give it four, five, six years and gather the data right. to see how it works. Coach Farood brought up a good point, and obviously Stanford's on the quarter system, so it's a bit different. Uh, are they missing too much school? Like, is that, that, w- that was her argument, is you add that third week, and it's a third travel day, and that's three more missed days of classes as opposed to, hey, let's go to the team event. I don't want to say let's knock that out, but it's, you know, again, a little bit more condensed in that fashion. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll buy that. 
Yeah. Now, Lily, most of the time is top eight, so then she wouldn't have the misclassed <laughs> problem. <laughs> yeah, very I, hope, I hope she's watching. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll tell her. I'll tell her. Yeah, she'll appreciate that comment, I'm sure. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it's fair. I, I think it's a fair argument. I think I want to see, you know, again, I want to see it unfold more. To, to your point there, and you sort of hinted at it, the great environment, that is that more valuable to you than the neutrality of a no, neutral side? Oh, no, no question. I mean mm-hmm. – we need to promote the sport as a standalone event. We don't have to be tied in with the USDA or professional tennis or whatever. Like we should be able to sell what we have. It's an incredible product. And the best way to do it is to have a lot of people in the stands an awesome environment and then put it on TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I think you can sell that if you have the right people commentating knowledgeable, you know, about the college game and the players involved, you can really sell it. Mike up the coaches, you can sell this and, uh, but it's tough to do at nine o'clock at Illinois, you know, where there's four people in the stands. Like, who's going to watch that? Yeah, Friday be, at five. It'll be different. me and Mr. and Mrs. Berlin. Like, we'll just <laughs> yeah. be hanging out yeah. in the crowd. That's and, right. Uh, yeah, and it'll be a good exactly. time. With that in mind, does ten? And I mean, Orlando provides a facsimile of this, although it's not a college campus. You could probably find some facilities elsewhere as well. Does tennis need an Omaha? Do we need a central location that everyone knows this is where we're going every year? Not convinced of that yet, to be honest okay. with you. I, I tell you what I am convinced uh, of, and that is if we're going to put this on this show on TV, we need to have adequate indoor backup, Okay. right? So if it rains and we move indoors, you know, it's an easy transition and crowd can come in there. And so that's basically just a matter of 30 minutes. We're going from outdoors to in and we're not miss skipping a beat as far as TV is concerned. That's the only thing that worries me with the USDA um, complex is that they, you know, we've been there twice and we just, I don't know how we've escaped rain, you know, like it's just been amazing. But if you have a Florida, you know, three day afternoon rain uh, uh, thing, then you're just, you're stuck. You're missing out on TV and you perhaps you're playing in the morning instead, blah, blah, blah. So if they add, an adequate indoor backup to be a fantastic venue, in my opinion. But I think that's absolutely crucial. I got four words for you. Greater Midland Tennis Center. Let's come up to Michigan. All right. Go to Midland. 40 indoors. I think it's 24 outdoors as well. Oh, uh, wow. And then I can see my parents more frequently. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that's really what I'm angling for. Uh, but, no, I, I agree. I think that – so you bring up the indoor. And again, I know we're a bit off path here in terms of your Gators – that indoor essence, I mean, because we're about to approach Champagne, and obviously the Atkins Tennis Center, gorgeous. They've got the six indoor courts, though. That's mm-hmm. it. Is that, I feel like, I remember, I think it was 2015 or 16, where Virginia was playing Oklahoma in the men's side, and it was, you know, a big kerfuffle because it was like, really? We're just going to play this match indoors? Is this not the NCAA championship, and we're going to go indoors three of the four rounds or whatever it was? How big of an issue is that indoor court facility, the capacity? Um, well, I guess if you're not putting it on TV, it matters less. But if <laughs> sure. we're okay. right, if if we have uh, our show on television, you know, on ESPN, U or the Tennis Channel, then we need to be able to move inside uh, seamlessly. Okay, the crowd and TV, right? Because the production is the is it i mean that's just it's going to help everyone if we can get our show on tv and uh, i just 
I think we've, we're, we're falling behind and we're not making the appropriate moves forward in that regard. And I, uh, you know, I feel, um, uh, you know, that we need to make strides in that area, to be honest yeah. with you. No, and I appreciate you laying out the argument because, again, I think people think, what, they don't want to play? You know, it's a difficulty just waiting around. It's No, it's about the logistics to make college tennis the most marketable product. And, I, again, I appreciate, exactly. I appreciate yeah. you emphasizing that argument because I think that's the component that gets always lost in these year-end things. I mean, Alex, if you look at, uh, you know, the 21 years that I've been at Florida, we had our greatest success in the four- and five-hour tennis matches. So it's not really – it hasn't been in my or Flora's best interest to change it to this shortened format, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's college in in college tennis's best interest to do. I feel the same way about uh, you know the the venue for the NCAA tournament. As long as, you know, as far as if we have it on TV, we need to be able to broadcast it. You know, Friday night if the match is supposed to be at seven, it rains. Boom, seven thirty, we're inside, and we don't skip a beat. It can't be that we're waiting till the next morning at nine to play that match. We just can't, it just can't happen. Like the, you know, the TV production part has to be very important in the whole argument, in my opinion, for the greater good of tennis. You mentioned it's year 21. Is it concerning at all that your tenure at Florida can now drink legally? I <laughs> never thought of it that way. <laughs> yeah, no, that's where you're at now. And I feel like around that 2017 title, that's when you got your fake ID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, remember, I grew up in Sweden. It happened way before that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's good. Well, again, you know, talking about that tenure, a man you have faced many a times. I think it was, what, 2018 national indoor finals? Maybe it was the 17 or 16 indoor finals. 17 finals. 17, that's, that's right. what it was. Where you guys won the double, right? And you beat them in that 2017 Correct. final, yeah. if memory mm-hmm. serves. Yeah. And so, you know, Brian well. Obviously, yes. North Carolina is a team that has been at the top of college tennis for the past decade. And, you know, with that in mind, you're going to Chapel Hill. What's it going to take from your team this weekend to advance to the quarterfinals? Well, we have to play our best tennis. I mean, and that has to start in doubles, clearly. Uh, for us, margins are going to be small. So, um, yeah, double. we have to be very aggressive in doubles. And and then in singles, they're, you know, in spots, they have just huge ball strikers. And uh, we'll have to adjust. And if we're indoors, we have to sort of ab- absorb some of those big balls and see if we can extend some rallies. But, uh, you know, our focus is going to be our play uh, in doubles, uh, how aggressive we are, how we uh, are able to uh, take risk. And then also mitigate risk at the appropriate time. And if we do that, like I said earlier, we played better singles on the back end of uh, great doubles performances. So we're going to follow that sort of playbook. Yeah. And with this, with that in mind, obviously, again, you know, I can't let you off the podcast without asking you about some of your past victories, some of your past teams. That 2017 team, that was the only team to win the double, right? You guys didn't win indoors 03, 11, 12. How difficult is it to do that? Yeah, that it, yes, it's very difficult, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, it, you know, the 03, 11, and 12 teams were not ball striking teams, really, right? We, we defended well, uh, mm-hmm. we loved long rallies, very athletic players. The 17 team, on the other hand, was filled with explosive players like Brooke Austin, yeah. you know, she was playing five 
Donnellina, you know, like finals now, uh, finals of Australian Open doubles. She played four. Courtney Keegan, six. I mean, they were, it was just loaded with ball strikers. So we were able to play well indoors without, you know, necessarily spending much time indoors, right? Their games were sort of, you could, could go both ways. And it's hard to do at Florida. Like, it's really difficult in the heat and humidity to continuously go for the corners with big balls. You know, it's just hot, it's humid, it's windy, the sun's there. You just learn to play, to, to, to mitigate risk when you play at Florida in, in, in the spring and in the SEC, frankly, which is filled with teams who are well-coached, physical teams, players who extend rallies by lifting the ball. And it's just difficult to continuously hit. You have to yeah. play. You know, and so our, I feel like our challenge uh, on Friday is going to be a little bit where we have to start hitting and at times perhaps more than playing, if you will. You know, we have to take some risk on returns, um, obviously have to serve well and, and try to shorten points, which is something we haven't done in the past couple of months. So that could certainly be a challenge for us. If it's January 12th. Let's just say uh, that's a little early, January 22nd, and it's 68 degrees outside. Are you guys going to practice indoors or do you practice outside on that sort of day? Oh, yeah, we're outside. No matter what, even with the indoors looming? I mean, for us, candidly, we have never prioritized the indoors. Never. It's, you know, my view is when we have three freshmen playing, the best thing about the indoors is that we – give our freshmen an opportunity to see what the highest level of college tennis looks like and feels like that to me is the greatest tool. So, uh, you know, we, we want to be there clearly because of that, but because of the experience, because we do get to see everybody else, but you know, we we're going to, uh, you know, from the very beginning of the season, talk about being competitive and for hopefully play to win an SEC championship. And if we can do that, then we're going to most often be good enough to compete for a national championship as well. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I, I understand that sentiment. As a Midwest man, it hurts my heart because I like indoor tennis. But of course, and I'm sure, again, I, I imagine in Sweden, it's a lot of indoor tennis throughout most of the year. Eight months. Yeah. Yeah. So you've shunned it. You've moved on. You're a Florida man now, through and through. <laughs> That's, That's right. what I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. Who pays the bills, Alex? <laughs> one year, man. You know? Yeah, fair. I can't argue with that. Uh, no, but with all of that said, Coach, uh, again, always a pleasure to get the chance to chat with you. And I do have to ask, who won last night, by the way? You were Coach Paul. You know, he got me. He got I mean, you? Yeah, which is just just terrifying. He's never played it before, and he, he took me in curling. You know, yeah, that's it's, terrible. No, you don't know this. There's actually they're building the new facility because the ice rink he had in the back ruined everything. So he's been practicing curling just for all this time, <laughs> just to throw a fast one at you. Uh, but no, always a pleasure to get the chance to chat with you, Coach, and obviously wish you and the Gators success and health. And I mean, I know McCartney's in the individual, so no matter what, looking forward to seeing you in Champagne. Same here, man. Yeah, thanks for taking time doing this. It's wonderful. Yeah, of course. Take care, Coach. All right. Have a good night. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with another head coach of a Sweet 16-bound college tennis team. A huge thank you both to this coach and every coach for taking the time to chat with us here at Crack Rackets. Again, trying to set the scene for all of you listeners down the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. I've been immensely flattered by the reception we have gotten from all of these coaches who are so willing to participate in this exercise. And again, try to set the scene. For all of you listeners, try to make sure you maximize your enjoyment through these final few weeks of the college tennis season. The plan here is to interview all 32 remaining head coaches. Now, it's only a success if we hit all 32. So I promise you, listeners, that will be our goal, as that is what we were able to accomplish last season. Again, you can find all of those podcasts here on this feed. You can find them on our website, crackrackets.com. A shout out, as always, to super producer Daniel Westoff on the ones and twos. He has a f- of an editing job to do this week, makes all of this this content possible. So shout out to him. Shout out to our friends at Swing Vision as well. Again, learn more about the Swing Vision app by clicking on the link in the description to this show. With all of that said, for our fantastic guest, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.